Colin Cullis standing by. China. Um, the China story, Colin Cullis, with business unusual tonight, is one of the great global success stories. I mean, the Communist Party of China this year celebrating its 100th anniversary. It went to hell. It really did under Chairman Mao. We saw widespread uh, famine. We saw the destruction of, of wealth in this uh, quest to, to rebuild China in a new mold. China has been rebuilt in a new mold, in a mold that Chairman Mao wouldn't recognize but in a mold that is incredibly commercially successful. I can claim to be uh, the... There we are. There we are. You were gone for a moment, but you're here now. I'm delighted. Hello, Colin. <laughs> Hi, Bruce. Yes, it's a, it's a political party that uh, only North Korea can claim to have been in power for longer. 72 years uh, the Communist Party has, has ruled uh, China. Um, you might think Russia and the USSR, but of course that broke up. So there they stand as a country uh, and a party that has been through, as you say some of the worst uh, hardships of poverty and, and economic or limited economic opportunities, a good chunk of it by its own doing, uh, but nevertheless has uh, risen from there to become certainly the most successful economy of this century. And I would argue that if you take uh, the number of people that they managed to live, uh, lift out of poverty, then the most successful government in history for what it was able to do. Um, it is working to reunify with Hong Kong. It has done that. It continues to work for the reunification uh, of Taiwan. Uh, and so you might think for those regions and such a successful country, uh, that would be a good story. And certainly China would describe it that way. But some may see it as China calling a deer a horse. It's a line I came across in a column by Yi Zingling, who is a, who is a he speaks about how, how China actually operates. And it's, a, it's an old idiom and that speaks about stating something that is not true for the sake of manipulating someone in, someone, or determining how willing they are to comply. And I don't think it's a surprise that we have a version in almost every language and every culture because this is something that humans at some point are just always drawn to do. But the story itself, I think, is, is worth telling because it comes from a manipulative Chinese senior official from over 2,000 years ago who brought the deer to the emperor and then said it was a horse. The emperor said he thought it was a deer, and so the official suggested that he asked the other members of his court for their view. Some remained <laughs> quiet, some said it was a deer, but many, fearful of the official, agreed that it was indeed a horse, knowing full well that it wasn't. The story goes that those that said it was a deer didn't remain in the court for very much longer, and those that were silent knew better than to cross that official again. Uh, business unusual, or, uh, you know, we, we, we picked up on this last year, uh, following the introduction of a, a law to Hong Kong uh, from China that was very broad, kind of vague, uh, sort of introduced with very little discussion, that would, that would make a lot of activities basically seditious, uh, which saw a lot of people sort of very, very mindful about what, what the future held about it, despite protests from almost a million of the seven million residents of Hong Kong trying to say, we don't want this, uh, and an undertaking uh, that, that Hong Kong would continue to enjoy the sort of democratic principles that it had enjoyed, even as uh, China would continue to look after uh, its defense, its diplomacy, and the rest of it. A year later, and effectively, Hong Kong is part of mainland China. The, the, the rules and democracies that it had enjoyed is effectively no longer in place. And uh, one of the, the last things that, that that's sort of certified that was the closure of the Apple Daily, a newspaper in Hong Kong, 
um, that effectively said too many of our journalists are being arrested. There's nothing we can effectively print that we aren't getting censored for. So thank you and goodbye. Um, and, and that's kind of uh, the reason I thought it worthwhile to, to, to raise it again, because a big part of that plan can be attributed. The plan is in making sure that China asserts its authority and, and, and gets what it wants uh, to its president, Xi Jinping. He's got a significant hold over the party. Uh, and he has been willing to deal with those that don't see the beautiful horse he has presented to the Chinese people in a similar way sometimes as that official from all those year, years ago. And I think as a consequence of China's actual success uh, and, and the fact that so much of the internal uh, organization has seemingly been taken care of, that uh, now the, the focus moves to an international one. Uh, the Belt and Road Initiative, which you've also looked at, is as much a play about international diplomacy uh, as it is keeping the massive Chinese construction and finance industry busy with very big projects. Um, but its ambitions of becoming uh, a leading spacefaring nation with it's currently constructing a space station, it's already on the moon and doing explorations there, certainly suggests that its ambitions are, 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 are uh, you know, can rival any other country on the planet. Uh, it has consolidated its control of a Chinese company, companies operating in China. Uh, and those that want to be successful outside of it, and another one we looked at recently with Alibaba, has shown that if those companies don't show due, due deference to the party, they will be dealt with. Uh, as I say, Alibaba was one we looked at, ByteDance, the owners of TikTok, and, and how that potentially plays out. Again, also in, uh, in Hong Kong, where TikTok effectively shut down the app uh, so that they wouldn't run into conflict with trying to serve two masters, as it were. And most recently, in fact, just this last week, uh, the ride-hailing uh, app called Didi, kind of the, the Uber, the Chinese Uber, which was successful enough to effectively outplay Uber in China uh, and listed on the New York Stock Exchange, has seen quite a bit of the activities and businesses curtailed uh, because of interventions from Chinese authorities. Um, the crypto industry, which uh, China had uh, a, a, at one stage a very big part, until very recently, most of the coin mining operations were, were operated out, uh, in, in China. 65% of that mining happened in China. Uh, but in the last couple of months, pretty much removed. A fraction uh, only remains as China moved against anything that they can't directly control. Um, even the standoff with the, with the USA, uh, Trump administration had sought to really take on a lot of brinkmanship and certainly a lot of bluster from Donald Trump. And that effectively didn't, didn't go anywhere. It certainly didn't have the effect, I think, that uh, the Trump administration was hoping for. But as I say, China is not done. It, it, it's expanding and it plans to expand territorial claims. It's busy building islands and, and keeping naval shifts, naval ships uh, moored uh, in what isn't international waters, but just close to it uh, for other Asian nations, including Japan and, and certainly in Taiwan. Uh, it has grown its military capabilities to rival the best in the world, whether on sea, land or air. And it is as formidable, if not more so, on what is probably gonna be a, a likely battlefront for cyberspace. Uh, and I don't mean to use Battlefront because of actual battles, but these are those sort of early signs that say, this is a very powerful country that seeks to continue to gain power. And, and the question is then, at what point does China say, okay, this is enough, I'm very happy and we're gonna, we're gonna you know, just get on with everybody, or uh, are they gonna start butting up against other countries that say, hey, this is what you're doing now is, is not gonna be acceptable for our continued um, operations, etc., uh, and so on that basis, um, the, the 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 fact that there's been dissent, any dissent inside China has been pretty much 
dealt with, and that includes Muslim communities and, and Buddhist communities, uh, the rest of the world in acknowledging and, uh, and, and seeing the extent of that, haven't really managed to do anything other than you know, condemn it. Um, the, <laughs> the responses to COVID-19, and initially, we, we sort of, when I say we, initially, the idea that this was obviously just a natural outbreak uh, was accepted. But in recent months, the question of, did we dismiss a potential leak a little too quickly? China has still remained not that transparent about what actually happened or willing to share or have other scientists come and actually get to the bottom of this, which again, just that doesn't set them up to say, well, they are, they are willing to be real partners in all of these things. And for countries who have pushed them on that, uh, they've responded with trade restrictions rather than with answers. Yeah, um, it's it, it's the again. There's a changing world order, Colin, and it, it it'll you know if you're a China file, it'll make you terribly excited. If you're a China phobe, it's going to scare the living daylights out of you. Well, I'd wonder even even if for China files, and I think I'd count myself as one of them for what they have managed to achieve is impressive in anybody's books. But I'm also mindful that you know whenever you look at history. And you say, well, how did people not see what was happening? I mean, you could see there's a clear line for where it was going. And unfortunately, the, the line is not clear when you're in it. The line is clear after the fact. Uh, and the question is, who is going to be, you know, plotting those lines and say, well, where, where are we going to look to do something? And again, December 2020, we had a conversation about the growing anti-vax movement that was leading to people not wanting or not being willing to take the, the, the threat of a virus serious enough. And when people don't take something seriously, their public representatives don't bother to put or keep the measures in place to deal with it. And at the time, I suppose the prevailing view, because it seemed so remote and unlikely, is that should it happen, we'd take care of it when it did. And, and classically, no disaster ever happens because of one thing. It is a series of smaller things uh, that together effectively add up and then you get to that point. And again, the, the pandemic, I suppose, is one of the opportunities that demonstrated that. And, and perhaps uh, if we had to use the old line that when the U.S. sneezes, the world gets a cold. Well, if China sneezes, then the world gets a pandemic. And if a conflict, uh, an actual conflict of some sort were to affect China or that, that region, then it's fair to say that for African countries and South Africa, uh, who are hugely reliant, not only on China being the factory of the world, but being the purchaser of most of the commodities, uh, that keep uh, a lot of our econ economies functioning, th then we really do have to ask some really big questions. And you might say, okay, well, maybe it's just Xi Jinping and you know he's 68 years old, he's probably only got a few more years and then he'll step aside and somebody else will take over and maybe they don't have quite the same ambitions. It's possible. Uh, but at 68, these days, politicians can still stick around for very many years. Uh, so I'm simply flagging that if this is a precarious situation, who are the countries, the people, the companies, uh, the citizens who are going to be able to say, mm, let's let's find a, a moderated way to to find a plan B, uh, and not not leave it up to the historians to have told us at which point we passed that tipping point. Colin Cullis with Business Unusual on a Wednesday night. Thank you, Colin Cullis.